have your Bible, please open it to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 13 through 14. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. The people of God are chosen. They are chosen by him and for him. It's a blessing to to be chosen to be the people of God. It's who you are. It's it's what you should embrace about yourself. And, And as I said last week, you're more than the sins you struggle with. You're more than your sufferings. You're more than your persecutions. You're more than your fears. You're more than your insecurities. You're more than your doubts. You're more than your failures. You're more than your successes. You're more than your sickness, your frustrations. You're chosen. As a believer, you are the apple of God's eye, the one in who he delights in. You're his people, his most treasured possession in Christ Jesus. And what a blessing that is. Now, the blessing of being God's people, it doesn't just mean you're chosen. It means something else as well. And Paul shows us what it looks like in Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. This is the second part of what it means to be God's people. He says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Let us pray. Father, we again pray upon you for your spirit to come that he and he alone would minister to our hearts. You are always in tune with our lives, Father. You never call off guard. You're not surprised by our struggles. You're not absent-minded, Lord. You fully know your people. You fully know their circumstances. You fully know what they go through. And Jesus himself knows what it's like to live in a fallen world. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to feel like the world is against you. He knows, and yet he is without sin. So, Holy Spirit, I I pray that you will comfort those who need to be comforted. You give a word to those who need a word. And that you will bring glory to Christ. That he will be magnified. He will be lifted up. He will be the one that we look to. He will be the center of everything that's about us. Our families, our jobs, our marriages, whatever. The cross will be the center of it all. I pray for this in your son's name. Amen. The blessing of being God's people means you are chosen. That's the first thing. Second, it means you are sealed. The people of God are sealed. But but what does that mean? What does it mean to be sealed? So there are two questions that that we're, we're going to answer concerning the sealing. First, what is the means by which God seals his people? What means does God use to seal you as his people? In our text here, the people of God that Paul is talking to is Jewish believers and Gentile believers in the church in Ephesus. 
And as I said last week, Paul addresses them separately yet inclusively because he wants to show these two groups, these Jews and Gentiles, that though they are culturally distinct, they are both equally chosen to be God's people. Equally chosen to be God's people. Jews and Gentiles are. And neither the groups chose for themselves to be God's people. And we know historically that Jews are God's chosen people on earth. But know what? They didn't choose him. He chose them. Not because they were more in number. Not because they were great. Not because they had it all together. They were the least in number. He chose them because of his faithfulness. And the same for you. If you're a believer today, it's because God chose you. You are a passive recipient of him choosing you to be his. And the same is true when it comes to him sealing you. You don't seal yourself. You receive it. God the Father is the agent. He is the one doing it. And he does it by means of the promised Holy Spirit. In Jesus, you also, when you heard the gospel and believed the gospel, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The promised Holy Spirit. This phrase that Paul uses, it should take you back to to the one who made the promise in the beginning. And that was Jesus. Right? Did he not promise the disciples that he would send them a helper? And this is what Paul is referring to. The helper, the counselor, our advocate, our supporter, our comforter. That's the spirit. In Luke 29, verses 49 and 48, Jesus tells his disciples, You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power from on high. The promise of my Father. Who is he talking about? The Spirit. The Spirit. And we know on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came down like fire and the disciples were all clothed with power from on high. Please know that the Jews and the Gentile believers in this text, and even you yourself, are clothed with the same power. But do you believe it? That same power that came up in the that same Holy Ghost power that came also comes upon you the day you receive Christ as your Savior. Please understand, you don't have to wait to be sealed with the Spirit. You don't have to wait for it. When Paul says, he says, when you heard the gospel and you believe the gospel, you were sealed with the Spirit. He doesn't say it happens over a period of time. He doesn't, it's, not, it's not like standing in the, in the DMV line where you take a number, you have to wait for your number to be called. That's not what it means to be sealed with the Spirit. It doesn't happen later in your Christian, Christian journey in some special service and some special prayer. God seals you with the Spirit the moment you believe. The moment you believe, you have the Spirit. The moment you come to Christ and save in faith, the sealing is upon you. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, God seals you for himself. He seals you for himself and gives us the pledge of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Think about that. 
He seals you for himself. And he gives you the pledge of the Holy Spirit in your hearts. The Spirit supernaturally lives in the hearts of believers. Our faith is highly supernatural. we got to embrace that. Highly supernatural. Unbelievers don't understand it. I don't hardly understand it. I'm a believer. And so I can't expect someone who doesn't believe to understand. The Spirit lives in my heart. How does that make? Doesn't make sense, but it's true. Even if I can't understand it all, it's still true. And so that means as a believer, the Spirit will shape your heart. He will mold your heart more Godward. If you want to be more like Christ, it's the Spirit's job to mold you to be more like Christ. You can't do it apart from Him. He's the power that you need. And it's a blessing. Do you embrace it? Do you pray to the Holy Spirit? Do you? Are you sensitive to the Spirit's work in your life? Because here's the thing. You can't embrace anything in the faith apart from the Holy Spirit working in your heart. Now, you can say, I understand it, but in terms of grabbing hold of it, if the Spirit is not working, you won't. You won't. You won't live in grace apart from the Spirit. You won't live in the gospel apart from the Spirit. You won't love your neighbor apart from the Spirit. You won't love your spouse like Christ wants you to love your spouse apart from the Spirit's work in your heart. As believers, we we can't treat the Spirit like He's the C team within the Trinity. No, like He's the C team. You know, there is no B or C team. There's only uh, A team. And the Spirit's part of it. And pity the fool who thinks the Spirit ain't on 18. <laughs> He's part of 18. You need the Holy Spirit in the Christian life. You need Him. I need Him. If suffering persecution ever comes to America, like it comes to other countries, apart from the Spirit, we won't get through it. Period. Don't be fooled by life here. When it gets hard, if you ain't in tune with the Spirit, you won't get through. Because that's what gets you through. The Spirit working in you, keeping you, holding you, assuring you that though life is hard, you are not abandoned. You don't get there apart from Him. You need it. Cry out to Him. There are three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And these three are one God. The same in substance, equal in power and glory. Equal in power and glory. In Luke 11, in Luke 11, verse 13, Jesus says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more will your Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask Him for Him? Do you ask Him to help you be more sensitive to the Spirit's leading, the Spirit's power in your life? Or do we ask Him for more stuff, more comfort, more money? Do you ask Him, Lord, give me the Spirit so I can get through this struggle? 
Give me the spirit so I will not be prideful because of what I have. So he'll keep me humble. You need the spirit in your life. Pray that God help you be sensitive to his leading. God seals his people by means of the Holy Spirit. But what does God seal his people for? This is the second question. What are you sealed for as a people of God? The Greek term for seal, it also means to set, up, to set upon, to impress upon with a stamp or a mark, to anoint or to keep. The dictionary defines this, this term as to mark a person or thing, to mark them. So here, God marks you with a seal, and that seals the Spirit. And he marks you, the mark that he, that he marks you with is like a signet ring. And a signet ring is a ring with letters in it, with someone's initials on it, and you put it in wax, and when you put it in the wax and put it on the envelope, it leaves a mark. And that lets you know who, who the letter is from. And so ancient kings used to do this type of sealing when they sent out documents. It gave, it, it designated authority, honor, and ownership of the document. And so the Holy Spirit is God's signet ring that he seals you with and lets you know that you're from God. For only he can seal you with the Spirit. That's not something you can do. Only he can do it. Now, if I had a signet ring and I impressed it on the envelope, it gives authentication to the document that I'm sending. And the same is true when God sees you with the Spirit. The Spirit authenticates you as a believer. Guess what? You don't. The Spirit does. The Spirit does. The Spirit authenticates you as being a person of God, a child of God. Romans 8:16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit does that. And without the Spirit, you can't be a child of God. Romans 8, 9 says, Anyone who does not have the Spirit does not belong to Christ. If you don't have the Spirit, you do not belong to Christ. So the Spirit is the one who authenticates you as being a true believer. Not you. Not me. It's the Spirit at work in you. If you're bearing fruit for Christ, guess what? Who's allowing you to do that? The Spirit is allowing you to do that. Not because we know a lot of theology, not because we have we part of the right church, or we read in the right books, or we listen to the right preachers. It's the Spirit's doing it, working in you and me. It's the Spirit who works saving faith in, in your heart so you can even receive Christ as your Savior. Remember the quote from the beginning of the service. That which makes me glad is not what I get, but what I am. And what I am depends on the Spirit. Period. What you are depends upon the Spirit working in you. He authenticates you. Second, the peer, the, God seals his people for a distinction. God marks his people for a distinction. What do you mean by that, Alex? I'm going to explain. All human beings are created in God's image. Therefore, all of us, even non-believers, we are worthy of dignity, value, and self-worth because everybody is created in God's image. Every human being shares that in common. But there is also a distinction among us as human beings. Not all of us have the mark. Not all of us have the seal. Only God's people are sealed with the Holy Spirit. 
So there's a distinction. So God, people are set for distinction. And that means you are the only ones who can bear witness to God's work in this world. You, his people. The unbeliever cannot. You're the only one who can bear witness to the goodness of Christ. The unbeliever cannot. Don't gloss over that. Don't treat it lightly. In Christ, you also, when you heard the gospel and believed the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Paul's talking to believers, Christians. And this Holy Spirit, he helps you to live a distinctive life, style, a lifestyle where, where he is empowering and equipping you to walk in his ways, a lifestyle that is kind of cultural to the world in which you live. A distinctive lifestyle is not one of separation from the world, nor is it one of complete assimilation into the world. It's one in which you are salt and light in the world. Salt and light for Christ. Is you being Jesus to the world around you? Are you Jesus to the world around you? Are you Jesus to your neighbors? Are you Jesus to those around you who don't know Christ? They may be the only Jesus they're going to see is, is you. And so as, as believers, we, we have to season our life with the gospel. Season your relationships with the love of Christ. Let your light shine on the evils and injustices in the world around you. This distinction also means you're the only one that can carry the gospel of salvation to a dying world. We have the message of hope. The only true message of hope. Not a political party. Not a politician, believers. And if we truly believe the gospel is what it is, then we will share it with those who are dying. If Jesus is truly who he says he is, how can we not share it with our neighbors? How can we not live a distinctive lifestyle? How can we not want those who don't know him to come to know him? The Spirit will equip you to do that. He will empower you to do that. So don't leave here saying, well, the pastor said I got to do this now. Give me more stuff to do. Sometimes you just need to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the power to, to live out the gospel before your neighbor. Because again, Christianity is supernatural. It's highly supernatural. And no one comes to faith apart from the Spirit working in their heart. You don't save people. At Billy Graham's crusades, you think he led those people to Christ? No. The Spirit led those people to Christ through him, empowering his words. The greatest preachers you know is just a person. That's all he or she ever going to be. We're vessels. We're tools for God. And that's it. The Spirit is the one doing it through us. You are clothed with spirit, you are clothed with power from on high. No human being, other human beings in the world have this power. You're the only one to have the spirit living in your heart. And that's a blessing. Blessing from your Father on high. The Spirit will work in you to help you live a life that is distinctive. One of the oldest Christian communities in the world is in Mosul, which is located in northern Iraq. I didn't even know this until I started reading about it. 
This Christian community has been here for centuries, over 1,700 years. This little community in Iraq have had a Christian community there, 1,700 years. Some, the first believers were converted in this region in the second century. Think about that. In a country that, we, that is not known for Christianity, has a Christianity presence there since the second century. But this community is now under attack. They are being systematically eradicated from this part of the world by a, a group that is trying to um, eradicate them. And when I was reading about this, it broke my heart to see that I have brothers and sisters who are suffering greatly for the gospel. That, that, they, that, that when we talk about something that's a systematic government that's really trying to uproot you, and that is what they're doing to these believers, taking their home, taking their businesses. And a few weeks ago, this, this group told our brothers and sisters this, convert to Islam, free or face the sword. That's what they told them. You have three options. Convert to Islam, free, flee, or face the sword. That's persecution. Many of our brothers and sisters, they fled. They left homes. They left their heritage. They left their history. And for many of them, they're not going to ever get that back. Churches were turned into mosques. A tomb that was known to be the tomb of Jonah was blown up. That's persecution. That's suffering. And many of us don't even come close to such persecution. Ramey, who was one of the, our, our believers, who, one of our fellow believers who had to fled, flee, he said in, a, in an interview, we as Christians were here for generations. Our ancestors lived here for thousands of years, and it wasn't easy to leave. It wasn't easy to leave. As Christians in the West, we need to be salt and light for our brothers and sisters here. Pray for them. If there's any, write letters to our government if that's what God leads you to do. But they are our brothers and sisters. And we should not be silent because for their, about their suffering. We should speak out. Pray for them. And even though they, they are leaving behind material values, their homeland, their heritage, their businesses, and even though their Christian community and heritage is being wiped out in this part of the world, there's one thing this group cannot take from them. And that is their position in God's kingdom. And this is the one thing that you won't lose when hard times come to America. It, it, maybe it will come at some point. But who you are in Christ, your position in God's kingdom, your heritage in God's kingdom will not be wiped out. It is secure. Because we as Western Christians and our Christians over in Iraq are sealed for security. God marks his people for security. That's the third thing that what it means to be sealed for God. He seals you for security. He says, believers are sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance. A guarantee of our inheritance. Like a down payment, a deposit, or a pledge. So the Spirit is a down payment towards all that God has for you. It's going to come to you. 
Brian Chapel says, the spirit serves as the guarantee of all God's purposes in your life. He's a secure deposit that you will get your heavenly inheritance. And the inheritance that Paul is talking about here is not the good life. It's not the American dream. It's eternal life. Heirs in God's kingdom by faith in Christ alone. This means the eternal people of God are eternally secure no matter what they lose and suffer in this life. You are eternally secure. In failing health, you're secure. Please know that. Please know that. That no matter what you go through, no matter what is happening in America, no matter what we feel like we lose in culturally as Christians, there's one thing we won't lose. is who we are in Jesus and our position in his kingdom. Because we are sojourners. If this is as good as it gets in this here, then we're missing out. We're sojourners. Moving along through glory. Like Christian in, in, in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. That's who we are. On January, July 26th, I did a memorial service for Butch's mom here at the church. And, and when I was talking with Butch, he told me this about his mom. He said, the promise of eternity she held on to. The promise of eternity she held on to. That's what she held on to. When she was struggling with cancer, before she was struggling with cancer, and on her deathbed, the promise of eternity she held on to. And what is the promise of eternity? The promise of eternity is this, is that Jesus loves his people with a love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And his love for his people will never end. That means nothing in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ. You're secure, people. You're secure. In your sickness, you're secure. In your disappointments, you're secure. In your hardships, you're secure. In your struggles, you're secure. In your sufferings, you're secure. In the ups and downs of life, you're still secure. When persecutions come, you're still secure. You're good. Your inheritance is going to come to you. And in God's economy, there's never a recession. You're going to get what's coming to you. In Jesus, you will. And finally, what does God set us people for? Finally, he sets us for ownership. For ownership. He marks his people for ownership. It means, this means you belong to God. You belong to him. Every part of your life, from the biggest to the smallest, is his. The mark of ownership means you are under his lordship and his kingly rule. As the people of God, as those who have faith in Christ, you live in his kingdom according to his agenda, his purpose, his will, and his values. And all those things are good. The way you view family, the way you view education, the way you view politics, the way you view government, culture, marriage, relationships, sex, sports, whatever, must align with the way God views those things. 
Not a Democratic view, not a Republican view, not a Tea Party view, not an American view. God's view. That's aligned with Scripture. You adopt his view. And in God's kingdom, you rub, he rubs off on you. He don't, ever, you don't ever, he don't ever take his key from you. You do what he lays out for us. And guess what, people? That's a good thing. Because he's good. And he's faithful. We don't, we don't have a God who does us harm. We have one who says, you are the apple of my eye. Who would not submit to that? I dance over you with shouts of joy. Who would not submit to that type of God? That type of father? We are the only faith where our God dies for us while we were his enemies. And not only that, he then makes us his sons and daughters. I mean, come on. That's wonderful. That's the gospel. That's our hope. In verse 14, Paul he says, You've been sealed with the Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it. Now that phrase, until we acquire possession of it, there's also another translation of that phrase from the Greek, which I think is, fits the context, and it says, until God redeems his possession. Until God redeems his possession. You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of your inheritance, until God redeems his possession. Who is God's possession? That is you. That is you. Until he redeems the possession, that means, guess what? Redemption has not fully come yet. It has not come as an entirely yet. We experience it, but full redemption comes when Christ returns. And that's what we're all longing for, right? For full redemption. And, and, the beautiness, and, the, and the beautifulness of God's redemption is that it's more than just salvation of souls. It's more than just salvation of sinful people. It's a holistic redemption. It applies to all of creation. Dr. Anthony Bradley writes, God's ultimate work of redemption in Christ includes people, places, and things. People, places, and things. God is working redemption into every area of your life, into every area of his creation. And so those who are under his ownership, under his lordship, should work and want to see the same things. You want to see redemption. That's why we don't break away from culture. We stand up for truth and we fight. That's why we want to see people set free from generational sins because of redemption. That's why we, want to, that's why we fight against poverty. That's why we stand up against injustice. That's why when we see evil, we say that's evil. That's why we do it. Because it's God is at work redeeming his creation. And guess what? You are the only agents of that redemption in this world. You. His people. The only ones. Because guess what? The church can do what the government can't do. We can minister people's souls. We can give them true freedom. We can. And that's our role here. Not to be silent, 
but to be about the Father's business, as Jesus said he was. And the Father's business is the redemption of souls, healing to brokenness, restoring broken marriages, restoring broken families, seeing people set free from addictions. And so we take that message of hope to them. And even to ourselves, because guess what? We're broken too. Don't forget that. So God seals his people. But do we believe it? Will we embrace it? And my prayer for myself and for you is that when we leave here, we'll all go home and sit down in this after spirit. Spirit, I'm undone. Minister to me. Help me to live a life that is distinctive. Help me to know that I have a that I am a believer because of you. Help me to know to live under God's lordship. Because only He and He alone can mold you into the person God wants you to be. And guess what? It's going to be okay. No matter how tough it is, it's going to be okay. Because the Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance in Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that the promises of the gospel are yea and amen in Christ. And my prayer for everyone here, you know the struggles, the fears, the brokenness that every one of us are dealing with. You know our pride, our self-righteousness too. My prayer is that you would minister to our hearts. Help them to know, Lord, that they are sealed, they are chosen in you. Help them to feel your, your spirit's power in their circumstances. Help them to, that you would help them against the enemy, their own flesh, the world in which we live. I pray, Father, that, that they will leave here encouraged and, and feeling a little more equipped to go back out and to engage one more day, knowing that there is a God over their life, a sovereign God who is good all the time. And that would give them confidence. That would give them boldness. That it give them strength to continue to persevere. And I pray for our kids, Father, as they start school. It's back to reality on Tuesday. And I pray for them that you will watch over them, that you will protect them, that you will let them have a good year. This year I pray for our teachers, our principals, our school board, our superintendents, that you will watch over them. So, Lord, be with our babies, Father as we send them out and, 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 and for a good school year. And I pray for all this in your son's magnificent name. Amen.